The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm James Anderson. Clay Link is off this week. Uh, so we are joined by my good friend and partner, Ian Khan, who used to do the dynasty rankings for Rotowire, now does them over at The Athletic. Uh, the podcast this week is brought to you by WinBet. And Ian, you and I both had big updates to our dynasty rankings go live last week. So, you know, we got a ton to talk about. But sure first, do. how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's it's so good to, to hang out with you and to talk with you. You know, we still share our RDI team is no longer, but we still share a team together. So we get to talk about the NFBC team that we're that we're working on together. Uh, and yeah, drop the drop the uh, the the rankings last Thursday. I think you dropped yours on Friday. I mm-hmm. do miss I do miss having you as my partner though when we do these <laughs> when we do these rankings because that was always you know I, I typically will you know float them out to different people and stuff. But the 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 hours that you and I would spend kind of really painstakingly go through, going through the list were both uh, fun and the list would always get better. So I, I do miss that. Uh, but but I'm excited to be talking. I'm missing Clay, my man. I miss my man, Clay Link. But I'm real glad to be here with you, Bo. Well, yeah, Clay deserves a, a show off and uh, happy to be able to give that to him. And um, I mean, I miss I miss working on those with you. And uh, honestly, I miss you being in charge of them because, man, these are these are a ton of work. I, I forgot how much work they are, especially especially that first update. I mean, the the first one. When we're about two months into the year, I'm always just like I almost had like a nervous breakdown when I was working on these because I was just like, like at a certain point in the process, I was just like these just aren't any good, and then I just had to just keep keep grinding away at them. But 
Um, what was what was the process like for you for this this first big update of the year? Yeah, it, it, it's it's always a little nerve wracking. And in your your article that I read in RotoWire, because I am a RotoWire subscriber still, and I highly recommend if you're not a subscriber, you should subscribe to RotoWire. Um, it was so smart. And I'm going to totally steal that from now on because you basically said, look, these change the second they publish, like the second they publish Marcelo Zuna, the day, the day after I published mine, right. Marcelo Zuna has the wrist or whatever it is. And then has the, the unfortunate situation in, in his life. Well, I mean, I, I'm like, how do we change everything? You know, like everything needs to be shifted on a constant basis. So I really appreciated that. I thought that that was really wise. I have to say, I'm going yeah, I mean, to do that from now on. <laughs> There were, you know, a handful of players where just even two or three days before I finished, like I was just like, oh, got to move him down like 60 spots. And yeah, and yeah it's just it's constantly evolving. And yep. uh, it's good to have them done because then you just don't have to do, deal with it for another month or two. But like if, if I had to try to keep these updated on a regular basis, it would just be impossible and I would go insane. Yeah, I agree. I hear you. And I agree. But we have, you know, what's fun, what's fun for us is you and I end up on the phone talking about dynasty theory all the time. And we, we basically, we, we talk for about 45 minutes and we're like, God, we should have just recorded that, you know, because yeah. that, was, well, that was like a show. So that's sort of what we're doing today, I guess. Yeah. And we, you know, to pull back the curtain a little bit, I, I mentioned it in my article briefly, but, uh, you and I were on the phone uh, for a while, uh, a couple days before I published mine, and and you were like, you know, you got to have Garrett Cole in the top twenty, and I was like, I'm not going to have any pitchers in my top twenty, like, and I, I was still sort of in the early phases of things, and then, uh, you know, kind of in the the final final hour, I was just like, no, Ian's right, Cole's got to be in the top twenty. Um, yeah. So I mean, th those those calls really do. Do help me out. Uh, I'll tell you though. I'll tell you. It's that's one place where things have changed so much, right? I mean, because the differentiation between elite pitchers and the rest are are so extreme. The the confidence of watching a pitcher pitch as a as a as a player as a as a guy who rosters players, right? We don't want to say own players anymore. So as a guy who rosters players in leagues, um, it's to watch Garrett Cole pitch or watch Jacob DeGrom pitch while they're on your team, whether it's in a redraft or in dynasty, it's just a totally different experience because the, the, the level of relaxation that you have knowing that it's actually going to be okay. Like you don't have to worry. He's not going to blow up. He's not going to give up eight runs in a game. You know, he's not going to Kenta Maeda it. He's, he's going to dominate the game every time that he goes out there. I think that that value that that's why it changed my mind. I was with you. I didn't have, I think in my April one, I think, I think they were at the back end of the teens, but I have Garrett Cole at 10. Now I think, I think it's a 10 is where I finally landed. Cause I was like, look, if, if, if I own Garrett Cole, I can get anybody I want for him. Like in one league that you and I play in devil's rejects, Brett Sarah owns Garrett Cole. He can get a ransom for Garrett Cole. Like mm -hmm. uh, he could get, Two top, uh, top 20. I just traded for him in another dynasty league. And I'm actually curious what you think. I think I, we discussed this on the phone, but um, I traded a Louis, um, full comp, full compete situation uh, in the top two right now, going for the, going for the victory, traded Louis Robert and Spencer Torkelson for Garrett Cole. That may yeah, seem I mean, crazy. That's, that's a, that's a classic win now trade. And that's a good example of if you're the, the guy with Cole, I mean, that's the exact type of package you can cash him out for at any time because yeah. he is, uh, there are just, there's a handful of guys 
Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom, yep. uh, where if you trade them in season, the balance of power in the league just swings so heavily that mm-hmm. you don't have to budge on your negotiations yeah. with those types of players because you can just say, look, do you want to win the league or not? <laughs> right. Which to me in the dynasty, in, the, in, in when I'm doing my rankings, I'm really thinking about trade value as much as anything else. And future value, of course, and present value, but also like, what can you get for this guy in a trade? And it, for these second chance leagues that have just started, you got Jacob DeGrom and Derek Cole going top three, both. Because, and and you, you, James, are the first one that I was hearing about. And it was like two years ago where you said, in FBC, I'm going to go uh, pocket aces. Well, now clearly that's a great pathway. You know, that, 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 that gives you so much value for your team to be able to get those two aces on your team. So, so that, that's a, that's a shift for me in how I look at dynasty rankings that I'm now moving pitching up in a way that I never did before. Yeah. And, and what I noted some of the outliers here in our, in our outline. And uh, the first one is we don't have to spend a ton of time on Jacob deGrom. Uh, You've got him. Uh, 20 spots higher than I do. You've got him up at, at 12 overall. I, I think you're, you, like you said, you rank a lot based on trade value. I, I factor trade value in, but I'm not, I'm nowhere near as active a trader as, as you are. So I think I probably don't factor it in quite as much to mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I sort of under like, I don't disagree that, you know, Jacob deGrom this year, as, as I just said, I mean, he's a league winner. So I, I get, sort of why we are split on him a little bit. Um, But I think a more interesting way to kind of frame this is you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm. one spot behind Jacob deGrom, and I moved him up all the way into my top five. So what's what's the hesitation on Vlad Jr.? I think I like your ranking a little bit more than I like my ranking. Um, That was some, somebody called me out on Vlad uh, at the athletic um, and was sort of like, really? Really, you're taking all those other guys, and I think that there's just um, a little bit of hesitation that is still hanging on for me. But you can't argue with the pedigree, and you can't argue with the production. Um, I still don't love. I, I'm not sure long term that he's going to be body wise as in good shape as what you're seeing with Juan Soto um, or Fernando Tatis. Though Tatis has his own, you know, uh, injury issues, but. I, I think I I think if I had a, a mulligan to take, I think I would take it on Vlad right there. I think I would take it on Vlad, and I would say that he should be certainly in the top ten. Yeah, I mean my my comp for Vlad back in the day before he debuted was I, like I thought he was going to have like an Albert Pujols type of career, and yeah. I thought he was going to do that from Jump Street, which I was of course wrong about. And you, it's a good lesson, and I think it's a lesson that people should apply to a guy like Jared Kelenic right now, where uh, you just expecting these guys like being extremely disappointed when they don't do the very best, like that you were hoping of them right away mm-hmm. is just a mistake. And it's just, the more you play this game, the more you kind of learn to understand that aspect of things. But it does sort of seem to me like now he is kind of settled in to, to being that player uh, that many of us sort of thought and hoped he would be. And a year later, I mean, I think, I think that if had he jumped up last year, and sort of showed this, I, I think there would be less doubt or hesitation in my mind, but we really did have him for like 
almost two years where he he underperformed underperformed with, with big old quotes around it. He underperformed what the expectations were. But part of this goes back to Jose Fernandez, man. Is that nobody does what Jose Fernandez did? Except I'm going to say this. You know, people ask me about Alec Manoa, and they're like, "Hey, can I trade for Alec Manoa right now? What do I have to give up?" And I'm like, "Do not trade for Alec Manoa right now." Do not trade for Alec Manoa right now because he is at the absolute height of his value. Similar to where Tristan McKenzie was, if you think back uh, last year, his first two or three starts were just kind of lights out, right? He looked like the best young pitcher in baseball. It's like if you went and tried to buy Tristan McKenzie right then, you you would be paying top 80 value for a guy that now you could get probably 220 value. Would you agree? Something like that, 240. I don't know exactly where I have him, where you have him. But Alec Manoa, so I would say two things. One, Alec Manoa, don't try to buy him now. But two, Alec Manoa has a little Jose Fernandez thing going on for me. And it's and maybe I'm getting all wrapped up in the mom and, and the enjoy the her joy in watching the game. But there's something about this kid that I think is special, but it's totally unique for a young player to come up and do this kinds of stuff, which means to me, best time to trade a guy is right as he's about to come up. Because then all of the juice, it's the fun of the game, right? In Dynasty Baseball, that's what the fun is. But get rid, you know, sell. <laughs> sell because that price, the stock price will go down. Like look at Yermin Mercedes. There was that moment two weeks into his career where he was the thing in fantasy baseball. The thing. And now, ooh, starting to go down. So it's really, to, to me, Dynasty Baseball is all about figuring out where things are in the, in the, in the dip and in the rise. Don't you agree? Well, well, you know, you mentioned your mean Mercedes and Tristan McKenzie. For me, like, I was never anywhere near as high on those guys as I have been on Manoa. And so it's more, it's kind of apples and oranges in terms of like, I, I don't think this is some flash in the pan. Like, I'm, I'm higher on Manoa than I ever was on like Mackenzie Gore. And so like, I, right. I totally get that Jose Fernandez feeling because that's sort of the feeling I get with him and it's yeah. and it's a similar type of jump like remember Jose Fernandez I think he jumped like over double high A, a triple A completely yeah. he went and from high A Boom. like Manoa Manoa never pitched at low A never pitched at high A never pitched at double A he pitched like three starts at triple A and he was up and like and any of course like the rare rare pitching prospect who doesn't break our heart right away with his with his debut and you know I assume they're going to be some peaks and valleys. Yeah. Um, my number one case for trading him would just be that most pitchers break at some point. Right. Yeah, but right. Um, part of what I love about Manoa is I just think he is so strong and so sturdy and, and it's so effortless the way he delivers 96, 97, 98, that I think he's got a better chance than almost any type of pitching prospect of staying healthy for a longer stretch. But I mean, Jose Fernandez was, was built like a freight train too. And he ended yeah. up getting Tommy John surgery. So um, that would be my case for it. I don't think it's going to be a thing where all of a sudden we look up in two weeks and Manoa's got like a five ERA. Uh, but I, you know, at some point he probably will deal with an injury. So that would probably be my case for selling on him. But at the same time, what are you getting? I, like I've had some people show me some like, should I sell high on Manoa for this? It's like, well, no. Like, you don't just no. You got to get. You don't trade him just to trade him. No, 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 for sure. You trade him to get. You know, I traded. There's a in that same league. 
uh, Devil's Rejects that we we're talking about. I made a trade uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago. No, nah, about three weeks ago with Matt Eddy. Do you remember this trade? Yeah. Uh, where I, uh, Wilson Caraman and I traded Marcelo Mayer and uh, Willie Castro for Kevin Gossman and Adolis Garcia. Now, for people who don't know who Marcelo Mayer is, he's going to be, I would say, I mean, probably top three pick at this point, right? In in the in the draft that's coming up. I mean, maybe he drops to five, but he's not going to any lower than five. And he could very likely be the number one pick to Pittsburgh. Um, he's got Corey Seager comps. He looks like he's going to stay at the position. There's a, there's a lot of upside. But I got we what we got there was an ace pitcher who's now slightly hurt, maybe, you know, and Adolis, who as I call, I call him Adolis, because I I love him. I love him so. Um, and we've got Garcia. So if you're going to trade Manoa, get yourself a package even better than the package for Marcelo Mayer. Like get yourself, like if you can sell and get $2 on the dollar or $1.75 on the dollar, that's when you make the trade. But don't just trade Manoa because it's like, oh, I should trade him now because he's hot. You got to get a good deal. It's about getting a good deal that works well for both teams, but make sure you get value. Especially what I, what I like to do is find out what's the guy's passion. What's the woman's passion? The, the My training partner. Do you, how bad you want Manoa? Oh, I want, this is one other league that I play in where I know there's a guy who's in love with Andrew Vaughn. So one day I'd like to trade him to Andrew Vaughn, hopefully, you know, because that's, well, that's where you get the most value. And if somebody hits you up out of the blue and is asking about a player like Alec Manoa, whose value is sky high, like, you know, right there that they really want that player because you don't, you don't go kicking the tires on a guy who you know is going to be expensive if you're not ready to, to really pay up. Yeah, that's right. And that's, and that's the place to do it. Otherwise, enjoy Alec Manoa because did you get that same? I mean, I, I don't think I said that to you about Jose Fernandez before, but that's that's the comp I have in my head. I don't think this stuff is quite as amazing. It's, di it's different stuff. It's yeah. it's it's a different, um, you know, I, I think Manoa is just so advanced in terms of how to attack hitters and mm -hmm. how to just put them away um, pretty efficiently, whereas... Jose was just the the stuff was just so electric, so just crazy that um, you know he didn't even have to have that great a command, and he was still uh, racking up the case. And he but, plays, and he he play he, he Manoa also plays with that same kind of. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed boy in the oh yeah game, which is yeah. so much fun to watch i mean he's he's really something i mean i i i, I didn't see all this coming 
I did notice in spring training, like I remember he had a start against the Yankees in spring that he just dominated them. And I was like, Ooh, really? And he's the 11th pick in the draft. I mean, he's got the pedigree for it for sure. And he's got a really cool mom. Well, I I mean, like that mom. He he hasn't had a single outing dating back to spring training this year where he hasn't been dominant, right? So (laughs) we're still we're still waiting for uh, his first slip up of the year. Uh, Really quick, we're going to head to a quick message from our sponsors. All right, Ian, where do you want to go next? Uh, uh, we've got a few guys here that we can talk about. I know. I want to talk you... about Tim Anderson. I want to talk okay. about Tim Anderson. So I have Tim Anderson at 24. And when I was doing that, I said, I know I'm the super high guy on Tim Anderson. Now, that mine are yours are OBP, right? Yes. And that's, and my, a, that's a big factor. And maybe that's, maybe that's a factor in the differentiation between the two of us. But I just think, I just think Tim Anderson is just such a valuable player. In, in fantasy, he runs, he hits for average. I mean, I think that's the thing that kind of separates for me. He hasn't hit as many home runs so far this year, but I think that that's going to come with uh, as, as the weather gets a little bit warmer, but I, I just love him. I mean, I just think he's, he's a, a, a winning, he's the kind of guy that if you have him on your team, you're going to win, but you have him a little lower. Do you think that the OBP uh, average is the difference? I, I absolutely hate that you're higher on him than I am because I, I love him. I mean, I think, I think uh, if, if my rankings were for batting average, he would be borderline top 20. I mean, I, I think he's an absolute stud. Uh, yeah. So we're it, at the same, we're in the same spot because yeah. I am at 24. Yeah. And I mean, I just, I, he's one of my favorite players in the game. So yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm bummed that, uh, that you're higher on him than I am, but yeah, I think it, we are kind of on the same page. There. Yeah. Because if it was OBP, I'd have to ding him a little bit because he really doesn't walk that much though. He is walking some, um, he is definitely walking some, we should also talk about, uh, the, I want to talk about Ozzy Albies. Okay. Tell me, tell me, tell me, where do you have Albies again? I got to pull up your, I, I had your list up and I've got to report. Um, where do you have them right now? I've met 12. Yeah. Okay. And that's, I know that's, that's uh, 13 spots higher than you. I mean, and some people would probably even say that you're high on him having I, or you have him. Yeah, I kind of think. Well, so my case for Albies is, A, I mean, I think he's underperformed thus far. Um, just the batting average is going to come way up as the season goes on. But uh, 24 years old, and I just have – to me, he's one of the safest players in Dynasty, like maybe – top five, top seven in terms of just, I know this guy is going to be incredibly productive and he's going to play every day. He's going to like, he doesn't miss time usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got another six, seven years of peak performance left to me. And he's never going to be a guy who uh, return. He's not going to finish the year as a top 15 player. Most likely, unless he just has a crazy batting average year where he wins a batting title or something like that. But I just I look at a guy who's going to be a top fifty player, and he's going to be a second baseman. I mean, I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm always going to lean towards an infielder over an outfielder just because I feel like those spots are uh, tougher to sure up, especially in in a deeper league. But um, it's it's all about the floor, and I think people sleep a little bit on his upside because because everyone talks about the floor with Albies. Like it's not like he's finishing as the 80th player. Like it, like he's gonna finish top 50 uh, most years if he stays healthy. And I just think you have six, seven years of that, and it just kind of makes it um, 
he's a very easy player to build around because there aren't many second basemen that's out true. there that you're actually trying to build around. I mean, look, I have him at 25, so it's not like I've got him. I don't know where other people have him on other lists. Um, I think 25. My, my, I think my disappointment with Albies is I remember him back when he was in the minors and didn't he steal like 50 bags one year where like, wasn't he just yeah. like, like that was, that was his carrying. That was his, that was his carrying tool back then was he's going to come up and he's going to steal a ton of bases right now. He's on track for nine stolen bases and 27 home runs and 90 RBIs and 90 runs. I mean, and what, what, what you said that kind of, uh, sticks with me I think is really right is he's a second baseman and second baseman's second base is the worst position in dynasty outside of catcher of course outside of catcher so to have someone like that but I mean you know he was our was he our second round pick back when we did it third I want to say third was he third because uh, oh, we yeah, went no, you're right sale. you're right because we went Freeman and then sale I take responsibility and then Ozzy in the third that's right and then Manny Margot in the fourth um which now we, we're starting to see the development but Frankly, I I don't I uh I I wouldn't go any higher than that, but I I respect I respect I, the I the, get the, it, and I get yours. I get your thought process about it. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm sort of I I sort of feel like I I often sort of get labeled as just always chasing upside, but I like chasing upside when it's very you know like I like chasing upside in like 16, 17, 18 year olds if we're talking about guys in their early twenties, mid twenties, like I want that sort of assurance that I'm not, you know, worried about whether this guy's going to pan out or not. Um, who, who else should we, should we, I, I've got a blind spot on a guy and then, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to get killed on this one. And I'm not even sure if it's on the list, but then I read something this morning that made me go, see, I might be right about this, but I might be dead wrong. And it was the, you know, people comment on, on, on the page and typically they sort of like, hey, I kind of think you might have missed on that one. I'm like, eh. And there was this one guy who goes, what the hell's wrong with you about Raphael Devers? Why do you have him at 30? Like, what are you, nuts? What are you, an idiot? I mean, it had, had a little bit of that vibe. Um, and I go back, look at the numbers of what he's doing so far this year. And it's like, yeah, I, I mean, how do you argue? But then did you happen to see the article about how he was pitched to, how he's been pitched to by the Astros over the course of the last two days? with the four seam no. fastballs. So basically over the course of the last two games against the Astros, he has been throwing he, all the Astros have thrown him the same pitch every time a four seam fastball that he cannot hit. He can't hit it. He went over eight, I think with six strikeouts, seven strikeouts and one small ground ball. Now the flip side of that is, did you see what he did against uh, Chapman against 103 that one time? But if he, he can't, hit the, if he can't hit the fastball, and if teams start just pumping fastballs in, I like my rank. There's something about him that I, I traded for him last year in that same dynasty league. And then I moved him. Remember, and I called you and I said, hey, I just traded Devers. And I got back Aaron Judge, Frankie Montas, and Justin Turner. Remember? And you said to me, you said, that's a really good trade for you if you win a championship in the next two years. Otherwise, you're going to regret that trade. Remember? That's what you said. And I, I still remember it. And, but the guy was like, why are you so down on, on Devers? I was like, I don't know. I had him for like four or five weeks and I just, I didn't like the way he was playing. I just didn't like the way he carried himself on the field, you know, like, and, and, but I, but I think I have a blind spot. So anyway, you have him at, well, I, I have him at 17 and, and I have him at 30. I mean, I, I don't want to be labeled as this like huge Raphael Devers. Um, you know, I, I just think he's, he's 24. Mm -hmm. He's, 
really talented. I have some questions about the uh, work that he puts in during the off season. Like I almost wonder if he's going to be kind of an every other year type of guy where when he mm-hmm. has a really good year, he's not going to stay in shape in the off season. And then when he has a really bad year, he's going to put the work in. Um, that's, that's kind of my main question with him. And I mean, the body, you know, it's, it's kind of gone back and forth and, you know, he's probably not going to have a, you know, we're not going to be talking about Raphael Devers when he's age 35 as this guy who's just had uh, a crazy run of production. It's, it's probably going to be more of like a Prince Fielder type of length of the prime, but and that's um, frankly, that's, and I'm not going to speak to the psychology of it. I'm not going to speak to what goes on in his head or how, how things go, but I do look at that and, and do think very carefully about that and, and, and see him as, you know, you see his cousin who just is like, I think, I, I think it was Cora said to him, look, if your cousin's that fast, you got to be faster. Like I got to see some more speed coming out of you, you know? Um, and, but, but there's something about Devers, but also it could just be a blind spot for me as a Yankee fan going, well, screw these, screw these Red Sox. Though I think I finally have Xander Bogarts appropriately, uh, appropriately he, ranked. Yeah. Xander is, Xander's awesome. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's had such a, he, Todd Zola mentioned this on our radio show last week. I mean, Xander's last like three or four years, the level of consistency there is just really yeah. tough to beat. And those numbers, see, that's why for me, uh, him or Albies is a four, but there's also a four year difference. And that makes a huge difference in terms of, of time. But that same number of at bats, pretty much same number of runs, same number of home runs, same number of RBIs, one more stolen base for Xander. But it's a 314 average versus a 236 average. Well, that's, I will, I will say, like I said, uh, Ozzy Albies, like I would not be surprised at all if he hits like three fifteen the rest of the way. Um, he's been really unlucky, and I still I think his peak could look a lot like Xander's peak. Um, mm-hmm. That makes I, sense. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overrating. No, the, but the maybe you're goal, right but. because I think if four years ago, because Xander's twenty eight, Ozzy's twenty four. So if you look back four years ago, this is what Xander was looking like too. And I remember mm-hmm. Craig Goldstein. Do you remember Craig Goldstein would be like, Xander's the best player in the world. Xander, 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 and it's like. All that talk, I believe in pedigree. I I believe in pedigree. I believe that scouts largely get it right, you know? And if they've, they've got their, you know, they were talking about Xander when he was 20, 19, right? And and talking about this kid's going to be something. And now we're seeing him, and it's absolutely in his prime. So I'm, well, I'm glad I'm finally on board with that. Speaking of pedigree and speaking of your Yankee fandom, I one of the toughest guys for me to rank was Glaber Torres. Mm-hmm. I ended up being twenty spots higher on him than you, mm-hmm. and I do not like I like I said in my article. There's you could probably talk me out of a lot of my rankings. Like if, if someone in the comments is yeah. like, "Why the hell is Glaber ranked where he's ranked?" I'd be like, "Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why he's ranked there uh, because <laughs> I I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect from Glaber going forward." But I'm I'm basically betting on the fact that we've seen him, albeit in the crazy offensive environment of 2019 we've seen him live up to that pedigree and he's still so young he's not going to get pushed for playing time basically right ever no he <laughs> might he could get traded i would not be surprised to see him get traded well and and maybe maybe part of our difference is that i'm doing it for obp and i still look at that that crazy high walk rate that he's got as yep, a, that's a 24 difference. year old. Yep. Um, I think that's a big well, difference right there. Like what, what do you think is 
Glaber, let's just say, like, how many home runs is he going to average over the next three or four seasons? I mean, I think that it's possible that he's going to average, he could average 23, 24, 25. Okay. He could do that. My problem is, and he's got three stolen bases. That that somewhat surprises me. The man is slow. No, he's mm. faster than me. He's faster <laughs> than me. I mean, by by a good amount. Um, but watching him every day at shortstop, I, I, I this is no aspersions on him as anything else other than how he plays shortstop and the level of intensity that he brings. Um, I just don't love the way he plays the game. I don't enjoy watching him play. I, I I really don't like watching him play shortstop. I mean, there are plays. There was a play this past week. I think I talked about it on my show, so I apologize. But but we're talking about Glaber, where um, if Javier Baez was playing shortstop, there's no question the guy would have been thrown out stealing. But Glaber just kind of caught it and lightly brought the hand down. And instead of nobody on in two outs, we now have runner on second with one out. And that's a game-changing experience. There's a play in the hole. He didn't come close to making that play. And I would say 75% of major league shortstops make that play. I don't think he's good enough to play second base at this point. I think wow. he's a third baseman. I saw, and we have um, Urshela, who I freaking love. Urshela is, I was at a game recently, and Urshela just busts his butt constantly on that field. He goes for every play. It's not about looking cool for Gio Urshela. It's about just getting dirty and getting it done. And and frankly, that's what I look for in, in a player and what I look for in my dynasty ranking. So I have him at 71. Is that where I have him? Uh, yeah, I have him at 71. Um, and I, 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 I don't want him above any of the guys I have above him. I don't. Is there is there anyone uh, where we have a big kind of gap in our rankings you want to hit on before I ask you about a couple guys who I really struggled with? in terms of ranking. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've done the Mondesi back and forth. Let's talk about Kyle Lewis, which would have been a lot more interesting before the torn meniscus. I really like Kyle Lewis. Now, again, it's OBP, but he walks too. I just love the way the guy plays. I love Kyle Lewis. I think, you know, talk about pedigree, fifth pick in the draft, you know, but knee injuries, knee knee issues. So I can't argue it anymore. I just, he was a guy before the IL stint because he was really coming along again, man. I mean, he was, he was ripping the ball again. He was and playing the game with passion. I just, I really like Kyle Lewis. You're not as high on him. Why is that? Uh, I just, I think he's an outfielder who isn't gonna really carry me in any one category. And therefore I just sort of view him as fairly replaceable. Like to me, like those, once you get sort of outside the top 25, top 30 outfielders, you're talking about guys who can be had for a song and a trade. Like it, it's just, it's not that hard to acquire like the 35th best fantasy outfielder. If you're, right. if you're doing a deal and you can even shop in the sort of the older demographic, you can yeah. go get like uh, Andrew McCutcheon or, or whoever yeah, and not perfect. have to pay very much. Um, so it's, I it's more, it. I, I don't see this sort of game changing. Like he's going to hit, like if he does hit, 35 40 homers i'd be pretty surprised if the obp was palatable and i mean he does have two steals but i, I don't really see him being a double digit steal guy so that's sort of where i am on him and 
I think right. I think he could. Well, it's hard to say now because now he's he's looking like an injury, real injury risk. But mm-hmm. if he was, if he had full development coming out of his rookie of the year season last year, right? Last year was his rookie of the year season. I I, I see thirty home run power. I think he could steal double digit steals, and I think he could hit two sixty. So I think that's a really good player. But but I, I I get where you're coming from on that. Um, and then I mean, can we just talk about how much we both love C.J. Abrams? I have to ask you about this guy. I have to ask you about this guy. Brennan Davis. So Brennan Davis is injured, comes back. Now he's already up. He just got moved up double A, right? So he was in high A, came back and just started hitting home runs and started stealing bases and started doing Brennan Davis things. I like Brennan Davis a lot, a lot, a lot. You love Brennan Davis on your most, you know, we still share your prospect page and I, I sneak a look at it every once in a while. And you have Brennan Davis, I think, hold on, let me just make sure. I think you have him at six. Yeah, you have yep. him at six. You have him ahead of Marco Luciano. Ahead of Adley Rutschman, ahead of Kirilov, ahead of Bruhan, ahead of Corbin Carroll, which is understandable, the shoulder and everything, ahead of Torkelson. You've got him. I mean, we're looking at a top five prospect going into next season based on this. Yeah. He's got, yeah. He's, he's, for real. I mean, he, he's such a stud. He, uh, he's he got one of the prettiest right-handed swings I've ever seen. I mean, it's just such a thing of beauty. And when I... <laughs> when I sort of kind of came to that realization, um, it was probably maybe a year ago. Uh, I, I just think people are sleeping on his eventual power grade. Like he, he gets sort of the 55, 60 grade power is kind of mm-hmm. just sort of a standard, what you'll see most people throw on it. I think it's 70 grade power. And I think, he's going to be a double digit steals guy into his mid twenties and mm-hmm. maybe even into his late twenties. So if we're talking about a 35, 40 Homer guy who's stealing 15, 20 bases, uh, I mean, that's number one prospect in baseball type of tools right there. And yeah, it's, it's very early. It's only been nine games for him so far this year. Um, they gave him a fairly comfortable landing spot with that high a assignment and then rightfully <laughs> bumped him up to double a but uh i just and it's and it's the the contact rate too this isn't a guy who's up there striking out a ton while getting to that power uh he's gonna make contact he's gonna put the ball in play he's gonna take his walks and you know i i think he's just an absolute stud so um, and, I, when and i've I seen of, the the light tower power i mean he's got light tower power like there's i watch film on him in the offseason, I called you about him because I was like, is a trade that I'm trying to figure out is Brennan Davis. And so I watched film on him. He hit a ball. So and the ball comes off the bat in a different way for him. It's it's pretty spectacular. Um, and and I know what a you're you're a you love the hit tool, man. So if you have him up there, you gotta believe in that hit tool because otherwise you wouldn't have him that high. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um well. Let's. I just want to quickly ask you. So there, there are two guys that I get probably since I released these rankings. The two guys I've been asked the most about are yeah. Luis Castillo Oof. and Keston Hira. Uh, yeah. Two guys who are just, you know, they've just plummeted in terms of perceived trade value, right? And yes. I just want to know. I mean, you're the best trader I know. Uh, what do you do? Are you just sort of hands off? Are you sniffing around? Are you trying to sell low on them because you're terrified? No, like, you can't what? sell. I don't think you can sell low on either of those guys. In fact, uh, and, and, I mean, Hira, I, I would almost, I, I've not been a fan of Hira 
coming into this year, I was like, I, I was like, don't want any part of that fella. Not happy with what I saw out of him last year. Not, you know, it was arm trouble coming out of college. And is he going to be able to stick at second? All right, maybe we're going to move him to first. We're really going to have a guy who's like 5'10". Is he 5'10"? Playing first base. Like his bat is special at second if he develops. So I'm not touching Hira. I am interested in Castillo as a buy low. Aren't you? Like, doesn't that make sense? Like just to buy him, to stash him for next year? Like, I don't think he, I mean, has he lost it? Do you think he's lost well, it? Man, I would feel so much better about him if he just had a change of scenery because that defense behind him is just so atrocious and mm-hmm. that ballpark is obviously not great. Um, I didn't ding him. I didn't. Where did you put Castillo on the list? Um, I definitely didn't ding him nearly as much as Hira. Uh, I have Castillo 91. Yeah, I didn't ding him that much. And where did you put Hira? 160 but i've even been sort of challenged on that ranking of like well would you trade him for this guy and then it's sort of like uh yeah like like someone asked if i would trade kesson here for jaron duran and i don't really like either guy like i think jaron duran's the classic prospect that you trade right when he gets the call mm-hmm. but uh um, no i don't think you do that i'm sorry i don't think you do that i have here at 141 okay. and i thought i was i thought i was the low man I really did. I was like, I, I don't like this guy. I don't I don't like this guy. I don't trust this guy, but he still has some value. I mean, who do you take? Well, I mean, I have Nick Salak at 142, but you have him way lower. But who would you take right now? Well, I have Kyle Lewis right in that same spot. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I actually thought, and on the, here, here's another guy. <laughs> here's another guy I didn't, I didn't quite know what to do with, but I'm comfortable with where I've got him. Zach Gallen, where do you have Zach Gallen right now, bro? We have him on our NFBC four hundred top four hundred, you know, our four hundred dollar yeah. team, and he's not he's not helping us. Where do you have um, him right now? I've got him at one hundred seven. Okay, I got some I got some flack because I had him at ninety four. Um, I thought that was pretty fair. That people were like, how can he not be in the top fifty? I'm like, he could be gone in a minute. Like, oh yeah, they, I they, thought I thought you were gonna say people thought you had him too high. Uh, no, I had people yeah. say that I, I didn't. I was like, no, I, I, I felt like I think I had him a little bit higher, uh, like closer to where you had him in the 100s. And I was like, you know what? If he comes back, he's still Zach Gallon, but he, he's a minute away from Tommy John. I mean, is right. he? Yeah, so that's exactly like we had Jeff Stotts, uh, the injury expert on our radio show a couple weeks ago. And, and he basically said like, yeah, he's going to come back, but he could fully tear it like in his very first start back and then it's Tommy John and you know it it just it does sort of seem like it's headed that way uh but I again like I a really tough guy to rank if if you wanted to say I don't really get the case for why isn't he higher uh no I I I didn't either (laughs) so where where do you have Rodon where do you have Rodon oh that's a good one um because I think he's a guy that I would be looking to sell high right now. He's 146 on my rankings. Um, okay. I'm higher. I, I just, I love the story. I love that he has reached this level um, because it just, it's been, there've been some dark days there, but just to me, it's kind of one of those, like he's healthy. He's pitching well. Yeah. Is he going to be healthy two months from now? Is he going to be healthy? No, I don't, I, you know what? I, I have him at 113. The stuff is silly. The stuff mm-hmm. is silly. 
It's just it when he and, and he struggled on Monday after I traded for him in that same very, very same league. I make a lot of trades in that league. I make a lot of trades everywhere. Um, but he's throwing 98, mm-hmm. 100 sometimes. And his slider teams are yeah. hitting like 0.1 for 60, I think, against the slider. It's a sp- and top three pick, third pick in the draft for the Chicago White Sox. The pedigree up the wazoo, finally coming into fruition in his late 20s. You know, it's a risk. Don't buy pitching unless you're going to win. Don't buy pitching unless you're going to win or unless you're going to be close to winning. Please don't buy pitching because it costs a lot Mm -hmm. and it breaks. You know, I have that old adage. It's like, you know, when you're young, you're either going to struggle or you're going to get Tommy John. And then in your mid twenties, like, you know, you make it up to the majors and you're finally healthy and you're going to, you know, struggle a little bit, or maybe you're going to get, or you'll get Tommy John. And then your thirties, you know, you're going to struggle or you're going to get Tommy John. So like Tommy John is coming. So it's really, it's like playing Russian roulette a little bit with pitchers. So only buy them. Like I was talking to Alex Cushing about, you know, like if you're going to sell Rodon, you don't sell them for another pitcher. You want to get Rodon if you're in a rebuild. You want to get Rodon off your team because well, let's let's talk about that really quick. Like, so just for the people who are listening who are maybe two years away from realistically contending, say you have a Carlos Rodon, say say you have a right Garrett on. Cole or a, or you know name name your pitcher who's pitching really really well right now. You're two plus years away from from contending in your league. What's the strategy in terms Great. of like? Hundred percent. How how aggressive do you get? Like, do you aggressive? You don't. You okay? I say aggressive. It doesn't mean take the deal back. Don't. It doesn't mean take less value. It means that if you've got a pitcher who's pitching well, the three or four pl- teams that are at the top are going to want that player. Period. Mm-hmm. Because they may have Strasburg. Strasburg's gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Gonna, you need to replace. You need to constantly. You can never have enough pitching. Right. So you got to get. Don't get one. You know. Don't get dollar for dollar. You get a dollar fifty for those pitchers, and then you get them off your team because they're going to break. And you're not doing it for you're not doing it for four prospects that I have in the fifty to one hundred range. You're doing no. it for you're you're big game hunting. You're and you're trying to do a, a one for one or maybe a two for two or something like that. Yeah, or or a three for one. Like let's say you have look perfect example. The guy had Garrett. Cole. He's not going to win this year. What did he get? He got Lou Robert. And Spencer Torkelson, I still like that trade for me. I still like it. He got a guy who we're slightly different. You're higher on Robert than I am. Um, but a guy's consensus top 25, let's say. Top 25 dynasty asset. And Torkelson, wherever you're at, top 80. He got two dominant hitting, dominant bats who are at least a year away from being in their full fruition in their early 20s for a guy who could get injured tomorrow. That's what you do. That's what you do. It doesn't mean, okay, well, now James says that we, James Ian say, I got to trade all my pitchers. All right, I'm just going to take whatever deal I come. No. Then once you say, okay, I'm going to make this trade, then you put it out on the wire. You And you field as many offers as you can. And you say, look, I've got a better offer than that. Do you want to improve your offer? And then if you talk and you talk and you talk and you still, and you're like, oh, well, you know, I probably should do it. I feel like we've been working at this for a really long time. Don't do that. Get the deal you want. Get the deal you want. Get and look value. at the look at the standings of those top four teams, and start with the guy who is lowest in pitching, and mm-hmm. kind of go from there. Yep, absolutely, hundred percent. Do we have any more? Let's do let's do like two more. 
I know we're right. supposed to wrap, but let's do a couple, two more, two more, two more. See, that's the problem, okay. James. I, I'm always like, hey, I got to run to this thing. And then every time you and me are talking or we're talking with Clay, I was like, no, nah, we got to, you know, we're in the game now. Let's let's play the game. Well, let's let's talk about C.J. Abrams. You you mentioned him earlier. Um, I, I love I love him. I love him I, so much. I've said this before, but I really think there's a case for him as the number one guy for fantasy. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a four man race to me basically, and you can see that in my rankings. I have I have Kelnick, uh, Franco, Julio Rodriguez, and C.J. Abrams back to back to back to back because I do just think it's like that they're all number one caliber prospects. And I mean, Abrams, Abrams to me is basically just his tools are almost identical to Trey Turner's. Or Mookie Betts. Or Mookie Betts. Or Trey Turner. I mean, he's, what are, he's, even, fast, he's even faster than Betts, I would say. I mean... I just, I love him so much. I, I love CJ Abrams so much. And like the fact that you're high like before and you're like, oh, I feel sad that you're higher on him. Like, <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> but now I'm sad because you're higher on Abrams. You have him. Where do you have him? I oh, have him. I thought I was the high man at 37. I really did. Yeah, I've got, I him, at, I was I've got him at 23. Yep. You win. You're smarter. I love <laughs> CJ Abrams so much. Go get C.J. Abrams, everybody. But then, but again, don't overpay for C.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. Get get these guys. Like now, maybe it's not the time because James Anderson says he could be the number one prospect in baseball. Other people hear that, and now the the value goes up. So you wait. I like to wait for these guys, especially prospects. Like actually, the guy to buy right now is Corbin Carroll. Go get yes. Corbin Carroll right now because he ain't going to be cheaper. You have him, Corbin Carroll, you have him still in your top 100. Is that right? Yeah. I, wow. Yeah, I've got him 89. And actually, someone commented on my article where I sort of teased the top 100 prospects, and they were like, wow, like Corbin Carroll actually moved up and he's done for the season. It's like, yeah, because he, he would have been at least my number six overall prospect if uh-huh. he hadn't gotten hurt. And maybe he enters that sort of Bobby Witt, uh, C.J. Abrams, here like it he was he was kind of everything i dreamed he'd be but it was yes. just happening so quickly and so apparently that <laughs> um i mean he's just he's he's really special and he's got a elite work ethic great makeup he's gonna mm-hmm. come back from that injury uh better than ever i, I think and you're, yep. you're totally right like you you couldn't acquire corbin carroll right now if he was healthy if he was broken if he if he wasn't broken right now and broken he's broken he's out for the year not gonna play you couldn't get him you and those you, are the type of guys that you if you're rebuilding you trade for corbin carroll you trade for eloy jimenez in my opinion yes uh, Louis Robert, you trade you yeah. trade for Louis Robert because they're not gonna bring I was able to add Garrett Cole to my team that was already in, I think I had 130 points out of 150. And the the other guy who's in the top, it was at like 131. And I was able to add Garrett Cole to my team without taking any present day value off my team. Because I'm going to try with my partner, Robert Mershak, to win this league again this year. So that's, you go find somebody who wants to win and go get their guys and be really smart about it. And don't feel pressured ever, ever. If you, except for one thing, if you say you're going to make a trade, don't go back on it. That would be bad. <laughs> that, that would be bad. Do we have time for one more? We have time for yeah, one more. Yeah. Whatever you want, man. I mean, all right. Remember when I had Otani at like t- 
a year and a half ago and I had them at like 20 and everyone's like, you're nuts. You're nuts. Right now on my list, he's at number eight. That might be a little nuts. It might be a little nuts. I might need to have him at nine or maybe 10. I'm not, I don't even care about pitching. I'm not even talking about the pitching. Right. Take the pitching out. Yep. That's, that's what I said about him in, in my article. Like the, the, I have him at 16. Um, I think I'm, I never was, I was as people who have looked at my rankings before, like I, I was way too low on Otani uh, like three months ago, four months ago, um, just because of, there's been so many crazy shifts in his value since he signed with the angels. And I was just kind of scared to really stick my neck out there on, on the talent. But if you, it kind of crystallizes, if you just stop thinking about him as a two-way player and just think about him as, as a hitter. Yeah. You just have to think, you can only think about him as a hitter for these, because there's no, unless you're in a daily league, which I have him in one daily league, which is just so much fun. you, You can't consider him as a pitcher really, unless he's just such a valuable bat. He just does. He, he adds so much to your team. It's just, it's just absolutely what's, remarkable. What's his career high in home runs in a season going to be? 52. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's that type of power. I mean, and, and what's his career high in stolen bases going to be? I don't know. 31. I was going to say like 26, but okay. I think, I think, uh, if he stops pitching, thirty-one. I mean, he could put up. He could put up one of those lines. You know, if you ever go back and look at the like late nineties, the the type of power speed lines guys were putting up, like where it was just these these crazy sluggers who were also chipping in like twenty-five, thirty steals. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's that's the type of stuff that he's capable of if he gets the that level of plate appearances. The, the, there's one more guy I want to talk about, and I don't know where do you have Freddie Freeman. I have him at 44 and I got some heart and I could be dead wrong on that. But to me, I mean, this is where the descent starts for me. It doesn't mean he's not going to come back and have another good season. I think he can. But if we look at Goldschmidt four years ago, he was held in the same level of esteem and the decline has been precipitous. Now, Freddie Freeman isn't going to steal as many bases as Goldschmidt, but he's 31, 32, he's 32, a 32 year old first baseman, 44. What do you think? What did you have him? Uh, he's, he's 31. I have met 30. Um, tough guy to rank, you know? I mean, I think I, I do not buy at all that this batting average he's rolling with right now is anywhere near what it's going to be. And, and again, I'm doing these for OBP. So he's still got a 364 OBP and OBP. Um, I mean, really tough guy. Like, cause these, these guys are, the guys who pitchers and hitters who are 31, 32, 33 and starting to show any sort of signs of decline. Mm-hmm. It's scary in dynasty because yeah. get rid of them. one, one day you could get a ton and you know, the next day it's, it's tough to get anything. So I'm, I, you know, as I look up and down this list and we're talking about some of these players, there's so many things that I get wrong. <laughs> so oh, man, my God, like I'm, I'm so loud wrong on so many different players. It's at different times, like where I'm like, ah, oh, he's going to be nothing. And they're like, there he is top, you know, top 12, top 15. 
Um, so it's it's a very it's a very humbling well, and game. That you, I mean, you get you get so much stuff right too, and and like, but I always remember the stuff I got wrong mm -hmm. way more than the so stuff much I more. got right. So uh, much more. Like I was sure, I was sure that the descent for JD Martinez had begun. I was loud sure. Everyone needs to know. Do not touch JD Martinez. <laughs> Good job, Con. Good one there. Go in nice. there. So you know, we we take it as we as we take it. We take our wins. We take our losses, and and we find our way. I want to thank you. Thanks, James, for having me on. I, I, you know, I miss Clay, uh, but it's always fun to to hang out with you and to do this with you. So so thanks for of course, having me. Ian. Yeah, uh, really appreciate you stepping in. Uh, this podcast again brought to you by WinBet. And yeah, next week Clay will be back. My full top four hundred prospect rankings should be live on the site friday at some point so I'll, I'll be tweeting about that clay and i will be discussing that next week on the show but thanks for everyone for for listening and and rating and reviewing and thanks again ian for for stepping on good talk good talk bye whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.